This is Guy and Jones, and you're listening to the Full English Breakfast. It's episode number 48 of the Full English Breakfast. I'm Macaulay Peterson. On the show today, Simon and I speak with Grand Chess Tour organizer Malcolm Payne. And in a special nickel for your thoughts, Nick Murphy chats with international master Jovanka Hoska about her chess novel, The Mating Game. And joining us from London is international master and organizer extraordinaire Malcolm Payne. Thanks, Malcolm. Pleasure to be here. Delighted. I've been saying that it's almost hard for me to believe that we've gotten through about a dozen episodes of the new series without getting to talk to the one and only Malcolm Payne. And you're too kind, I'm sure. <laughs> I think you were like our first guest ever in back in 2009. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to mainly speak with you because we're on the eve of the restart of this season of the Grand Chess Tour with the Rapid and Blitz event in Paris and Leuven back to back. And uh, yeah, first, just update us as to how the second season is going to be different and how you envision the tour going forward. Well, I mean, the most important thing, I guess, is that the, um, the Paris tournament is going to be televised. And I don't mean chess televised. I mean terrestrial television televised. That's quite uh, an exciting development, I think, for chess in France. So one of the main channels in France is... Uh, channel called Canal Plus, which does uh, a lot of sport. For example, they do, uh, they own the rugby, they do a lot of football, a lot of soccer, all mainstream sports. And uh, there'll be one hour highlight packages every night at uh, half past 11. You'll still be able to watch uh, all the moves on daily motion through the normal internet, uh, internet chess broadcast. But uh, viewers in France won't be able to uh, replay everything. They'll have to catch it at half past 11 uh, on the television. And I'm really looking forward to that, to see, you know, some amazing television production standards applied to chess. I guess the, the, the downside is, however, that there won't be any public. I mean, this is perhaps the greatest thing last year was as an event uh, in such a prestigious venue, such an iconic venue in central Paris, the Maison de la Chimie. It really was you know, an incredible tournament and around a thousand people came and had you know, a great experience watching it. And I know it was hugely appreciated by the French chess public because... I got so much wonderful, wonderful feedback afterwards. But this year, there won't be any spectators. It'll just be totally in the television studio. That sounds great, though, that you've got this uh, you know, television thing going on, which uh, I think if we compare that to England, would be quite hard to achieve. Does that necessarily mean that chess is... Uh held in more high esteem in France than in England with the public, would you say? No, I, I don't think it means that at all. It just means that we've made a, a bit of a breakthrough in terms of getting sponsorship from a huge media company and, and they've been convinced that it's something that might work. This is what I've we just need. I've never really. been able to make, yeah, that's what we need. I've just never been able to get anywhere with the BBC in the UK, for example, which is really very frustrating. You know, I don't think, I mean, when was Chess last on television in the UK, seriously, 1993 or something? I mean, probably for the, uh, yeah, Nigel Short versus uh, Gary Kasparov match. Yeah, um, so I think it's a, hu it's a huge breakthrough. I mean, Norway, we understand, you know, <laughs> that's, yeah. that, you know, there are certain Norway specific things about television as well that, that make it more sure. open to, to doing something like that. Uh, but, but yeah, to get a, a big territory like France, putting chess on television is good because, it means, well, we'll have programs, we'll have 
production standards will have something we can show, although we can already show what they do in Norway, of course. I think it's still a breakthrough. I, I always sort of thought speed chess would be much better suited for some kind of, you know, a blitz uh, chess on television kind of market. And, you know, just just talking about the, the tournament as well, Malcolm, what, what's the uh, rating system you're, you're using there? Oh, so we're, we're using the uh, Grand Chess Tour's universal rating system. Right. So as I understand this, it's similar to the FIDE ELO ratings, but combines the rapid blitz and classical ratings into one rating. Yes, that's right. That's the basic idea. Yeah, that's right. And and one of the things that happened, as some people probably know, is that Nepomniachtchi whizzed up the list when 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 we applied the the methodology. So that that's one of the reasons that uh, you know that he's involved. You call it URS for short. <laughs> URS. Yeah. URS. Okay. It, it had a little bit of controversy when it debuted. Um, I think the main question was whether or not it's being pitted as an alternative to the FIDE ELO ratings, like a potential substitute. I mean, is that also one of the goals? Yeah. I mean, I think ultimately um, it could be an alternative. Yes. I mean, it would be nice. Looking at the mess that FIDE is, and it might be nice to say to federations, well, you know, we offer this for free instead of paying thousands and thousands of pounds for all your ratings. Yeah, why not? I think the Grand Chester has the resources to do it. I mean, you know, there are some countries, particularly in Africa, that just can't afford the rating fees. So I think, you know, whereas at this stage it might not be an alternative globally, it'd be a very handy thing for poor federations. Federations with limited budgets. Mm -hmm. Why do you suppose there, there's been sort of a knee jerk reaction among some grandmasters? I'm thinking mainly of. Uh, Grandmaster Grivas, uh, and also even I saw some comments from Jakob Ogar, who's generally quite level-headed about things. Indeed. And even Nigel Short, for that matter, who's certainly in the anti-FIDE, you know, a Kasparov political camp, mm -hmm. has been quite mm -hmm. critical of it. Is it the methodology? Because the methodology is not finalized. I mean, I think it's just an, ex it's only a, purely at an experimental stage at the moment. So how will you gauge its success after the one-year experiment? Well, I think the success will be gauged by you know, how, uh, the, the feedback we get on how sensible people think the outcomes of the calculations are. And there, there are people who know far more about this kind of thing than I do. And I know that there's a, there's a group of them working on it. And I think the point of this, this first year is just to, to establish uh, some kind of methodology upon which most people can agree. Because obviously the weightings are really important in, in, in this sort of thing. I know I, I've seen some criticism from people about um, some of the ratings of the younger players because I think the acquisition of results hasn't been as good as it might have been. So that, that's led to some anomalies, I think. One thing that, that struck me is that um, uh, I know a supporter of the idea of combining the ratings has been Kasparov himself if I'm not mistaken. And mm -hmm. um, I was recently reading in uh, New in Chess in the story about uh, Job van Ostrom uh, passing and the history of the Amber tournaments. And there was a funny quote about Kasparov's early views on rapid chess as basically being an anathema <laughs> to, the, to the game. And, you know, he would never want to take part in any rapid competitions. And now, of course, 20 years later, uh, the situation has changed quite quite drastically. I yeah, well, you know, uh, first of all, everyone's entitled to change their opinion over, over 25 years. And uh, I, I think I, I could leave you with just some interesting point that Gary raises in his latest book. You know, he's got a book on artificial intelligence 20 years after the Deep Blue match called Deep Thinking. And uh, I've been enjoying it. And, you know, people don't like new things initially and they don't like new technology initially. And one of the examples Kasparov cites is that of elevators, of lifts. There always used to be lift operators. I imagine there are some people listening to the program who've never seen a lift operator. So to put this in some kind of context, when when elevators were first invented, there was always somebody who you said what floor you went to. They pressed the button. They closed the doors. The lift went up. You got out and off they went. 
And then apparently in New York, I can't remember what year Gary cites, but apparently there, there was a, um, a strike of elevator operators. And the technology to make lifts automatic, elevators automatic, had always existed, but they'd never implemented it because people would be too scared to go into a lift on their own. And then when the strike started to bite and, you know, people couldn't get to work, people couldn't get home, couldn't get upstairs, couldn't get up, get, get to the 35th floor. Somebody in one of the companies, I guess, might have been noticed, said, you know what, why don't we just see what happens if we do an automatic lift that just operates itself? Never look back. So that could be a, a metaphor for the uh, change of, of times, change of ratings as well. And people are just averse to change. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting. And, and well, we all, we all generally think that Rapid is the, the future of chess, at least in terms of capturing a mass audience and uh, broadcast and so on. Yeah. No, Gary's definitely changed his views on Rapid Chess. He's very pro and, you know, thinks it's, it's, a, it's a really, really important part of chess. And should should be given significant if not equal weighting i believe i think that's his, his view on it yeah i mean I, I think from a player's point of view as well and even from an you know professional and amateur's point of view there's a lot of attractive things with with rapid chess i mean you can play it in two days you can play lots of games in two days rather over two weeks um uh, it's fast it's furious you know it, it's a lot of fun I think I think there's loads of benefits to rapid chess. I mean, I actually prefer it to longer time limits myself, and I I wouldn't be the only grandmaster who thinks along that way. Um, I I really do think there should be more tournaments around rapid rapid in the country. The the amenability of the different formats of chess to television is an interesting question. I mean, clearly classical chess is just best meant for the internet. It's too long to fit into any kind of program, and unless you've got uh, a chess obsessed public like you have in Norway, it's it's probably not going to work. We, we think rapid is probably best. You know, blitz is actually quite hard when you're trying to explain it to non-players because what I'm trying to do, the, the production standards and the methods and, and the commentary style is going to be, I hope, uh, oriented towards people who don't play. Okay, but well that, that's a big ask. It's a big ask, yeah, but I think, I think it can be done. Sure. And I think that's quite important from the point of view of popularizing the game. And Blitz Chess is just probably a bit too quick, funnily enough, to televise easily. But we're going to do that because, you know, we've got three days of Rapid and then two days of Blitz. It'd be a big challenge. But I, I always had this sort of weird image that we could, uh, you know, maybe make chess a bit like darts or something. You know, you, you bring on the characters, give them nicknames, you know, get the public maybe cheering in the background. But m maybe that's not for the kind of level of players that you, you've got involved with the tournament in Paris. Well, I don't know. I, I'd love to see that. You know, I don't know uh what what the program makers are going to do but i know that in a proposal that i'm making for the grand chess tour there'll, there'll be in-depth features on each player uh everyone will have a little nickname or a symbol or something like that and it'll be like any other sport actually right that, that, that's how i'd envisage doing it in an ideal world it seems it seems like you know and these things a bit like poker when poker is very popular on television that it's actually as well as the game which people follow it's maybe more the personalities you know yes. if, you, if you have a personality and, and the audience at home even if they don't necessarily understand what's going on if they relate to that personality it can they can get really involved with what's going on maybe well that's right and, and i think chess has so much more than poker in that regard yes you know chess doesn't have a uh, sorry poker doesn't have a huge schools network you know it doesn't have children coming to learn chess at, at tournaments it doesn't have massive age discrepancy in games sometimes it doesn't have it has celebrities that's for sure but it doesn't have for example uh, you can't you can't go and see you know poker being taught in school you, you know we we have so many interesting characters in in chess you don't have poker prodigies particularly do you you know you don't get you don't get 11 year old 
poker grandmasters for obvious reasons. You don't have, I mean, I'm thinking of all the, the kind of interesting characters that there are in chess that you can do, even just thinking about the London chess classic. You know, we'd love to have this Indian chap who has no bones, you know, the one who has to play on a, on a flat surface and move the pieces with a pointer you know again that would be very that would be very interesting to speak to him as part of a television program than chess classic i just think chess just has so much more interesting and varied content than a lot of other sports that it's just waiting to be picked up but uh, it's very hard to break through malcolm thanks very much for joining us and hope we can have you back on the show again soon anytime see you talked a bit about chess in film and chess in theatre, but I haven't really covered anything about chess in literature. So I was excited to get the chance to chat with Yvanka Huska, international master and co-author of the recent romance novel The Mating Game, where the lead character just happens to be a chess player. It was a long project. It was a long project. When did this start then? When, when When was the first seed... Well, actually, it's it was sewn in uh, two thousand and five, I think. Wow, that is yeah, a long that, it was a long time. Uh, what happened was that you're you just know, really slow at typing, like one finger at a time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we then we discovered the dictaphone. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> what happened was that my you know uh, it was actually via um, a, a good friend of mine, Andrew Greet. Um, he studied at Kent University. And uh, James is from Canterbury. Right. And, uh, you know, and he, he introduced, he said, I, I, I've met this, you know, I have this really cool friend that, I, you know, was dying to meet you. And uh, we got chatting and, you know, he, James at that time, he owned a PR company and he said, you know, chess is such a glamorous thing. I can't believe you guys don't earn as much as you should be doing. He said chess is a glamorous yeah, thing. He's, he's, is he that yeah, familiar with yeah, the world of chess? Yeah. Well, yeah. I've been to a few chess tournaments. <laughs> Glamorous is not the first word that comes to yeah. mind. I can kind of, but yes, I can kind yeah, of see why these international tournaments are a lot more glamorous than uh, your yeah, local sure. event at the village hall. Where it's all a bit, a bit whiffy. And oh, everything. It is a bit whiffy. That is a bit. That is something that happens at the local village hall chess tournaments. <laughs> yeah. The whiffiness. I don't know what that is. Oh, and he, he kind of said, you know, you guys really need to be, you know, rich and famous, you know, because chess is an amazing game. That's a good start to get yeah. anyone on your side for project isn't it yeah. you need to be rich and you famous rich let and me famous. tell you so what have you know he's very well connected so we came up with a, a project of uh, having a, a, a quiz like a mind sports quiz and it wasn't necessarily about chess yeah but it, it would about you know setting some kind of very, you know they're very simple puzzles that you can set for non-chess players are very logical, very interesting. And uh, we came up with this idea of a TV show and uh, a TV company were interested, but it was kind of the wrong time they, yeah. and uh, nothing came of it. And then we thought, well, maybe we have this material, maybe make it into a, a book, but this time it was going to be a non-fiction book. Okay. And again, they liked the idea, but again, you know, it's... Lots of lots ideas, of, lots never of really ideas. Don't you know, people talk, out, yeah. people talk and, you know, until you have something written, you know, it's not going to happen. Sure. So it didn't happen. And then... And then just before I got married, you know, before I got married, he said, James goes, I've got the best idea. I'm going to make this material into a novel. And this will be, this will be my wedding present towards you. Fun. Or for you. So that's I a thought pretty that cool, is, that's, that's that's a pretty pretty cool, cool. present. That's pretty, no, and, and James is a pretty awesome guy. So, uh, 
Yeah, so he, he started writing it in his spare time. And of course, you know, I, I saw thousands of drafts of this thing read it. Was so, there ever a point where you just went like, no, that's there too were some far. Moments, there gone. were some moments when you, you think, well, what is this? And then other moments you get really excited. So there is a combination. And, and the times when I said, James, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to happen. And uh, it kind of developed. And then last year we, we, we released it. So awesome. it's very exciting. Awesome. Now, I've done, I, I talked about this on the, pod, the podcast before, kind of how chess is represented in literature, in film, in TV, and in theatre and stuff like that. Um, but it, it seems to me, generally speaking, it's quite poorly represented. Definitely. Why do you think that is then? Why do you think well, you know, they have their stereotype that we're all like evil geniuses. But it's really sort it's of pervasive, annoying. isn't yeah, it? It is and everywhere. It... I mean, on the on the bright side, everyone thinks we're smart. <laughs> <laughs> if we've got to have to look at the silver lining. But, I mean, I've, I've met a few chess players. I'm sure you've met a few more. This idea that they're all super smart it really falls down quite badly it does it does it does for new beginners you know especially yeah. if you're an adult trying to learn the game you just think well no, no I'm talking about grandmasters here that you wouldn't yeah. trust them to put their own trousers on like yeah no, 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 I, I had this you know I had, I had this great story for one of my former trainers about a certain grandmaster who uh, he came to him knocking on the door and he said hey you must come to my room. I've had an emergency. And, the, and, the, <laughs> and my trainer goes, okay. And so he goes with him to the room. And it turns out he's burnt the bed. Sure. <laughs> As you do. He's burnt the hotel bed. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. <laughs> and it turns out, you know, maybe he decided to take up smoking. His grandmaster had taken up smoking and, you know, just hadn't quite... <laughs> <laughs> so have you got like a favourite time that you've kind of seen chess featured in, in literature or in film or TV Can you, is there anything that kind of makes one, you go one film I really I saw that I absolutely loved is Queen of Catway Queen of Catway awesome that was film. the first chess film where I thought you know what they are playing proper chess games they are moving in the way that chess players move and this yeah. is a film about kids it's unbelievable, you know. I saw Porn Sacrifice, and I thought I was a, I was okay. That was a it good was, film. Yeah, it was kind of okay. But the way that Toby Maguire moved, it was like beginner <laughs> alert. <laughs> and I heard a rumor that Toby tried to learn chess, but they said no, it's no. too difficult, too difficult. I can't do that. Do you know? I actually found out that he was producing the film because right. he was producing it and starring in it. But I think at this point he was just producing it, and I wrote him a letter saying yeah. I'd like to be in it as well, please. Surprisingly, I didn't hear back no, from him, well, which was which is oh, a bit weird. <laughs> So obviously you've done, uh, you've got quite a few books before this. Uh, chess now, books. Would, chess would you say that this book means more to you than your book on the Karakan? Oh, all my books mean a lot to me. You know, I'm going to go down the st- <laughs> I don't have a favourite. You don't have a favourite. <laughs> no, they're all different. You know, the, the Karo, I guess, would be my comfort zone because yeah. I guess, I, you know, I, I've done three, three, two and a half books on this. Two and a half books. because I did a, co- a collaboration. So that would be my comfort zone. Scanning even, it was an awful lot of work. There were times when I was frustrated at that problem. I mean, the, the uh, mating game is different because it's a, a, you know, it's a different type of book. It's a very personal in some respects. And I'm sure that there are moments in it where people are going to go, that's just weird. Or that people just think, okay, well, this I like, or this I absolutely can't. <laughs> you know, and yeah. meanwhile, with chess, it's comfortable, you know. It's it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's yeah. kind of, it's, it's the thing I Do you get a lot of feedback? Well, have you, have you had a lot of feedback on the mating game, first of all? Yeah, we've had a we've had a, a few feedbacks, you know, and I'm, uh, people who responded to me, you know, messaged me. They said they they quite like it. Some some scenes have been a bit love or hate, a bit like Marmite, you know. 
like my sister-in-law said, there's one point she she really thought that she was going to put the book down. Just one scene, she goes, I'm, I can't do it anymore. And then she thought she'd persevere, and then she quite liked it, then she then... She stuck with she it. She stuck with That's it. That's a sort of a compliment, yeah, I guess. Yeah, kind of a compliment. Like, I didn't hate it enough to completely get rid <laughs> well, of it. Well, just the scene. Just, okay. just the scene, you know. She just didn't, really didn't like the scene. And, and then I've had, I had comments from other people saying they love the scene, you know. Did you get anyone, like, literally commentating, well, that would never happen in a chess game, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had lots of... I heard people coming up with theories as to what the <laughs> sequel would be are you, I, are you planning is, is, there, is there something else in the works is, um, is this, not well for the t- is this a breaking exclusive no, well no no <laughs> okay. no, no. We don't, there's no immediate plans I no. mean the idea can be there I mean obviously it was an open ended ending so it's, it is possible but uh it was a big labour of love, you know. So, it took well, yeah, seven this years, took you took yeah. seven years. So you got a while so. to go before this. Got a while to go, yeah. <laughs> so maybe it would be nice. You know, it could be quite nice if there was something, some, something else Fantastic. for Ivana. Well, Ivanka, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, yeah, thank you very much for coming. Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you. The Mating Game is available on Kindle and paperback. You can find a link from our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash the FEB. You can also see Yuvanka doing live commentary on the Grand Chess Tour. We have a link to that on our Facebook page as well, or visit grandchesstour.org. If you enjoy the show, there are several ways you can support it. You can share links with your friends, or give us a good rating on iTunes. Or you can support the show's production by becoming a patron for as little as $1 a month. That's just 25 cents an episode. Okay, but that's a big ask. It's a big ask, but I think it can be done. And as always, thanks for listening. It's kind of got to that point, though, where the monster-raving loony party, you kind of can't tell the difference. Like, when the politics is so mental...